0: In our passage last week, we saw that Paul described life in Christ, life in Jesus, life as a Christian, as putting on the new self, where Jesus takes off your old self. He removes the old you. He unfastens the the broken, sin-sick, sin-filled image of God-shattered you, and he places it on himself, and he wears it to the cross. Jesus bears your old self before God, and he takes upon himself God's wrath for you, God's punishment due you for your sin, for your old self. In other words, Jesus takes your place, and in exchange, he gives you himself. He gives you a new self, a new image of God. Therefore, you are united to Jesus. That's love. That's grace. That's salvation. That's the gospel. If you have faith in Jesus, if you follow Jesus, then you are renewed, made new, given life, new life. But you're not alone. You're not alone. It's it's not a solo new life. It's not an isolated new life. You are made new with others. You are united with Jesus alongside others. Putting on a new self, putting on Jesus, makes you part of his body, the church. Life in Jesus is life in community. It is life in the church. It is life with God's people. In other words, the church is an essential component In the life of faith, God saves individuals, yes. But throughout the scriptures, when God saves individuals, he places them in community. God saves his people. Now, in our passage today, Paul points to this. Paul Paul addresses the identity of the community of faith and life in the community of faith. Listen again to what Paul calls the church. You, in verse 12 of our passage, God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. Or it could be translated this way, God's elect, saints, and beloved. Three words that describe the church, three words that describe you, three words that point to your identity. Three words used to describe God's people in our Old Testament reading from Deuteronomy. Now let's look at each one. First, you are God's chosen ones, literally God's elect. Elect means chosen. Now, when we have an election, when you vote in an election, you are choosing someone for political office. Israel was God's elect. God's chosen people. And as the church, you are God's elect, God's chosen people. Paul is showing that when it comes to salvation, God does the choosing. God elects his people. You are God's chosen. Chosen in Jesus. Chosen to be made new in Jesus. Chosen to belong to God. Chosen to be part of God's people, which means Salvation is solely in God's hands. In using this word "elect," Paul is saying that salvation is solely a work of God. Now I know, I know this is challenging, perhaps even difficult for some of you. You 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 are accustomed to choosing choosing bread, choosing clothing, choosing a phone, choosing friends, choosing a school, choosing a house, choosing a church. Why why can't you just choose God? I mean, don't don't you have a choice? Doesn't everybody have a choice? Well, here's the problem. We're all too blinded by sin. Our will is too corrupted by sin. Our hearts are too broken by sin for us to freely choose God, for us to freely believe in Him, place our faith in Him, obey Him. But God has reached out to us in Jesus. He's opened our eyes and mended our hearts, and and He's transformed our wills. Then we can believe you see, election simply points to the grace of God, which means it's good news. It's good news. Sinner that you are, God chose you anyway. Sinner that you are, God saves you anyway. As broken as you are, God redeemed you anyway. You are his. He is yours. And, and hear this assurance that comes with it. Nothing can take you from it. Nothing can separate you from it. Now, why? Because it rests in God and not you. It rests in God. It doesn't rest in what you do or don't do. It doesn't rest in what you think or don't think. And then there's the question of why. Why did God choose you? Why did God elect you? Now, it's a bit out of order, but the answer is the third word that Paul uses in verse 12 to describe the church, and that word is beloved. As the church, as God's people, you are beloved. You are dearly loved by God. You are his treasured possession. Do you hear that? Do you really hear that? You are Dearly loved by God, you are his treasure. This is truth. And it's truth that you need to be reminded of every day. Life might be crushing you. Worry might be overtaking you. Stress might be overwhelming you. Grief may be drowning you, but you are God's beloved. That's why he chose you. That's why he elected you. He loves you. And he showed that love by serving you. He took on flesh for you, became a man for you in Jesus. Jesus who died for you so that you might have new life. Rest in that. And live in that. You are dearly loved. Treasure. And you're holy. That's the, that's the third word Paul uses. You are holy, holy ones, saints. That's what a saint is, a holy one. And holy means set apart. Holy means different. And you're holy not because of what you do, not because of your actions. You're, you're holy because of Jesus. Holy because of what Jesus has done for you, which means you are different because of Jesus. You're set apart in Jesus, set apart for Jesus You're set apart for service, for serving Jesus, so that your life, your life, your words, your actions, your heart points to Him so that others might see, others might know God's love in Jesus, to see that they are truly loved, that they are treasure. But that holiness is also lived out together. It's lived out in community. It's lived out as the church. So, what does that look like? How do we live together as God's chosen, holy, and beloved? Well, listen again to verse 12 and 13. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Paul says you're supposed to put on, you're supposed to wear, you're supposed to cultivate five virtues, five virtues that come straight from the life of Jesus. It is as if Paul is saying, you have, you've put on Christ, and here's what that looks like. And here's what that looks like in community. Now, the first that Paul mentions is a compassionate heart. Now, the, the King James Version translates this phrase, bowels of mercy, Bowels is in the intestines. In the, in the ancient world, the bowels were said to be the seat of the emotions, especially love. The idea is that love comes from deep within you. Now, we use the same kind of sense when we talk about our heart, that love comes from the depths of the heart. We, we've just exchanged bowels for another internal organ. Bowels of mercy means love characterized by mercy. It means tender-hearted mercy. It means compassion. Compassion is especially directed toward those in need. Compassion is directed to the needy, and you can be needy in different ways. You can be needy for the basics of life, like food or shelter. You can be needy emotionally. In a a world often characterized by indifference, in a world full of indifference, compassion is a breath of fresh air. The second Paul mentions is kindness. Kindness. Kindness is graciousness toward others. It's a sensitivity toward others. It's, and it's driven by genuine care of others. The third is humility. Humility is a word that came into existence because of Christians. Humility is, a, is strictly a Christian virtue the term was non-existent in the Greco-Roman world. Now, characteristics that resembled humility were viewed as shortcomings, as weaknesses, as deficiencies. In the Roman world, you strove for honor. You strove to advance yourself. Humility, on the other hand, is selflessness. Humility is emptying yourself. Humility is not self-focused. It's not self-seeking. Humility is putting others ahead of yourself. It's looking to others above yourself. It's placing the other person, the one who is there with you, before you. And that's just what Jesus did for you. The fourth virtue Paul mentions is meekness or gentleness. It's a, it's a willingness to make allowances for others. It's, it's not having a, a sense of self-importance. And the last is patience. Patience refers to our reactions to people or circumstances. Patience is a willingness to endure wrongs. And it's also long-suffering. Patience is long-suffering in the face of insult. It's long-suffering in the face of injury. It's long-suffering in the face of adversity. It's God's attitude with you. Now, Paul is saying that these five virtues should be displayed in your life and also in our life together in the life of the church because it's new life. It's new life in Jesus. Next, Paul gives two actions that display these virtues. Actions that that are concrete ways for you to show new life in Jesus. First, Paul says, bear with one another. This is called forbearance. Forbearance is putting up with. It's putting up with difficult circumstances, putting up with difficult people. What Paul is saying, Paul is saying, put up with each other. In the church, you have to put up with each other. Now, you know there are people here that you really get along with that you enjoy spending time with, people whom you share a lot in common with, people who you turn to for support, people who you respect. And, and there are also people here in the church you don't know as well, but you get along with. You don't see them as much during the week, but you have a good sense about them. You, you know they would support you in a pinch. But truth be told, there are also people here you just don't click with, people that you've had disagreements with, people that've rubbed you the wrong way, people who've said the wrong thing to you on the wrong day, people whose personalities you find off-putting, people you would normally not choose to associate with, people you would not turn to when you needed help. What Paul says, bear with one another. Put up with one another. Show patience and kindness and gentleness and humility and compassion to one another. Lean on one another when in need. You don't have to be best friends. You don't have to like the same movies. You don't have to listen to the same music. You don't have to be in the same stage of life. In fact, you don't have to like each other. But Paul says, put up with each other. Bear one another because you're in Christ. You've been clothed in Christ. Your identity is in Jesus. You're set apart. God chooses all kinds of people. We would choose people just like us. So Paul says, bear one another. And he also says, forgive one another. There are times you have to go beyond just putting up with. There are times when someone will do you wrong. And again, I'm talking about life in the body, life in the church, There are times when someone in the community of faith will do more than just rub you the wrong way, when it's more than personality conflict, when a fellow Christian actually does you wrong, sins against you, whether it's through words that tear you down, cut you down, or whether it's through lies, whether it's through actions that cause you harm, or whether it's through some sort of inaction, that Paul says, forgive. Forgive. You've been forgiven by Jesus. Forgive your brother or sister in Christ who sinned against you. You may have to confront them with the sin if they don't acknowledge it or or confess it to you, but then forgive. Paul says, as God's people, as, as those saved in Jesus, we are to put these on. Live them in community. Together. And then he writes this in verse 14 and above all, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Put on love. Above all, as God's people, put on love. Wear love so that it is seen in you and around you and through you, the same love that the Father has for you, a love that's compassionate and kind and humble and gentle and patient, a love that puts up, that bears, a a love that forgives. Love binds them all in harmony. The love of Jesus shown in our life together, shown in our community, community created by our Savior, and community that serves as a witness to our Savior. Thank you for tuning in to Witness, a ministry of Covenant Presbyterian Church in Jackson, Mississippi.